Hello, and welcome to an all-new episode of The Spotlight. I am one of your hosts, Kente, all the way live from Los Angeles, California, and I'm so happy to be here today. And I'm here with the beautiful, the wonderful, the talented, I'm so jealous of her, chilling in Hawaii, it's the one and only Jen. How you doing? Hey, I'm doing good, and yeah, it's pretty gorgeous in Hawaii, so you should be jealous. Yeah, it's raining here. It is raining in Los Angeles. We need it so badly. So, well, at uh, least it's not snowing like it is in the Northeast. It could be worse. <laughs> yeah, and I've experienced that uh, recently. So, uh, not here, but uh, in Chicago. So, I'm I'm glad not to be in it. <laughs> That's for sure. So, so we haven't been on in a while, and um, I wanted to take this opportunity to just talk about some different news stories that been you know uh, around in the world of entertainment and it's tonight it's just me and you and i'm looking forward to getting your take on some of these uh topics so are you ready me yeah i'm ready let's go all right so while we were away a little independent uh black film came out called black panther uh (laughs) with a very modest budget and uh you know uh (laughs) out of its budget (laughs) yes black panther uh marvel's uh newest entry in the mcu came out uh it was about two weeks ago right so it's been about two weeks god has it only been two weeks wow right (laughs) and this film which under no surprise to myself uh has broken all kind of box office records uh, I, the last time I looked, which was like about two days ago, I think they were at seven hundred million worldwide. Uh, I probably I should bring up. Let me bring up today. Today being uh, March Friday, March second, two thousand eighteen. Let me see what is Black. I should have had this ready for the show, right? Panthers uh, worldwide box office right now. Um, I know it surpassed Wonder Woman worldwide. Uh, yeah, it's uh, 780 uh, million. So they believe it may hit a billion this weekend. That's crazy. Also, you know, something interesting about the worldwide sales, again, mm-hmm. the, 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 I remember the opening weekend, it was just through the roof. Something that was super interesting about the way that, that happened was the, as people were talking about how successful the opening weekend was it occurred to me that that overall this movie could be one of the most successful in the marvel franchise altogether right yes um and i'm i'm gonna you know i'm a very tough critic especially as a you know an african-american uh when it comes to movies that we're in you know because um we don't always get the best representation in hollywood and that's being nice. <laughs> and uh, definitely, you know, I I was looking at this film with my eyes wide open. And one is, uh, one, first let me start off by saying this. The director of the film is this guy named Ryan Coogler. Ryan Coogler is this young African-American director. He's 31 years old uh, from Oakland, California. Uh, his first film, which came out, I think about five or six years ago, something like that was a small film called Fruitvale Station starring Michael B. Jordan. And I actually took my mother to see Fruitvale Station. And, you know, not really knowing much about the director, but I knew about the story very well. It's a, it was based on a true story. 
I remember five minutes into that film leaning over to my mother and saying, this director is real. This is a, this is a phenomenal director. I, I knew five minutes into it. Uh, you could just tell that he got it, you know? And he's a fantastic filmmaker and writer and cre- just creator. And um, his second film was called Creed, which was awesome as well. Uh, I'm not a big fan of the Rocky movies, but uh, to me, this was my favorite one of uh, all the Rocky movies. So now we get to Black Panther, and I've seen the movie twice so far, and the second time was even better than the first time, and I loved it the first time. The film is awesome. I mean, the movie, the movie, um, just as a movie, you know, forget all the other stuff, just as a superhero action, um, somewhat of an origin story film, it was so well done. And when you watch it a second time, you see all the little touches. Like, there's not, there's very little um, scenes in the film that doesn't push the story forward. Um, the characters are very well done. The you know, of course, you hear a lot about the female characters. They were awesome. Uh, one of the best villains you've ever will see, played by Michael B. Jordan, Killmonger. Uh, I thought that his performance was amazing. And was the last time at the end of a movie you really felt for the so-called villain of the film? You know what I mean, like. His performance was so amazing and it was written so well that when you get to the end um, of the film, you know, although, you know, some people may want to hate him because of some of his actions, but you just really felt his character and you saw him through the eyes of the boy. Uh, I don't want to. Well, we could spoil it. Uh, Spoiler alert. (laughs) You know, uh you know, of the boy in the very beginning of the film that's playing basketball. I thought it was a tremendous uh, job. Um, my one complaint is there wasn't enough Black Panther in the movie, <laughs> you know. Uh, <laughs> but Marvel seems to do that quite a bit. I noticed that. Like uh, Iron Man 3, and I think it was 2 as well. You was barely any Iron Man in it. Like, what is that? I don't get, what. what is that where they're like, oh, we're going to take the superhero out of the film, and it's just going to be their alter ego, but... Um, with all that said, uh, I thought it was a tremendous film, and I uh, just as a movie, I, it was it was probably my favorite of the Marvel films, and my favorite before that was probably Winter Soldier. Uh, I'm not a big fan of the Avengers movies. I'm one, probably one of the few people, but uh, I didn't really care for one or two. But uh, I thought the Winter Soldier was a great movie, and this one is up there with it, if not better. So uh, I'm going to get your your take on the film. Well, <clears throat> I th- I've got uh, so many opinions on this. I even joked not that long ago that I think I could spend a week talking about this. But the thing that jumped out at me by the time that the movie was done was it was so personal. This movie had character studies that felt so genuine and so real, even though they were doing hyper real well no i shouldn't say hyper realistic they were doing things that were hyper fictional in nature i mean just just the nature of where wakanda is and the idea of black panther and it didn't matter nothing mattered except the characters and that said something so strong 
The other thing is, somehow they captured on how to make fault. Uh, what's a good word for this? How to make the kind of, you know, you have bad judgment. Everybody has bad judgment. Everybody deals with disappointment. Everybody deals with uh not fulfilling the most of your capacity, but they did it in such a way that it both lended to the entire story, and it also made everybody so incredibly relatable. This idea that the sins of the father are not always the sins of the son, or that the sins of the son can be something related to the father, but fixable, that there is always some sort of like resolution that comes about from personal uh, aptitude, from personal, whatever you do with the situation, that's what's gonna make it either good or bad. And you saw that juxtaposition with Killmonger and you could just see he took the path that was not the right path, but it was still a path that you could totally see anybody could go down. And that's what I think made it so good. It's also ironically, I think, or maybe not ironically, but in the same synergy with why uh, Winter Soldier was so good too. Because it felt like, you know, th these weren't easy choices. These were really hard choices and you could put yourself in that position and feel like this is what it's really like. Mm-hmm. Yes. And, and I mean, you just feel the love that is in, you know, in the creation of this film, you know? And you can tell that, you know, there's so many people, you know, work their butts off to make such a great uh, film. And I just, you know, it, it was just, it was a joy to watch. You know, it was a, it was a great experience. And I'm so glad that, uh, you know, that this film was done by the people who did it, you know? Yeah, so. I, I, I'm, I'm obviously, I'm, I'm white, right? I've got no sort of cultural basis to say this from in any positive sort of, you know, this is my experience way. But I have to say that I felt this this sense of like overwhelming happiness mm. for every little kid who sees somebody who looks like them, who is also in these roles of super empowerment. And, you know, superheroes are basically in that role. And when you see that, when you know that there's a generation that can look up to seeing uh, that kind of, yeah, there is this out there for me, it it just feels like, you know, it doesn't really nudge the scale at all, but it feels really positive. It just feels like, damn, mm -hmm. these, there's something actually in the works. I feel the same way about women. When I see, when I saw Wonder Woman, I loved it for reasons that were so totally different than the basic reasons of the story and the technical aspects of the film. I loved it because I felt like we need this kind of positive female, uh, the, the embodiment of female empowerment. And I had that very same feeling when I saw Black Panther. Yeah, it, it, it really is a, a, a tremendous film, just as a movie, you know, like if it was about Chinese people, it would have been great. You know what I mean? It's it just, would. It's just a. They just did an amazing job, and that's the one thing I don't want to get lost. You know, for people that it's a great movie. It's just a great time, and just to see the joy of people coming out of the theaters uh, when they see it. You know, it's just 
just good. And people are like on a high from watching that film. And it's, you know, it's really good, I, I have to say. And, you know, few things live up to the to the hype. And that's definitely one of those things that that definitely lived up to the hype. It it, it was definitely uh, a great time. And I'm so glad that I had an opportunity to uh, to see it. And I'm looking forward to um you know the sequel which will be called affinity war <laughs> in a few weeks so wait i have to ask you a question though uh-huh so did you feel like um when you were watching the the overall film after you had a chance to kind of let it set in mm-hmm. did you feel like there was this beautiful blend between the seriousness of the subject and a kind of levity that to be honest, I sort of feel that way when I watch the Thor movies. I love the levity in Thor movies. Mm-hmm. Somehow they were able to recapture that in this movie. But some people didn't really, they didn't quite get that much. Like they didn't quite see how incredibly humorous some of the stuff was. Did you get that? Oh, yeah. It was very, it had humor. It had action. It had It had everything that uh, big you know, um, it wasn't a summer box office film, but um, just, you know, a big movie of that kind is supposed to have. It just, it, it it knocked it out the park. It was, you know, outstanding. And you know what? I expect that from Ryan Coogler. I mean, not, you know, his, after his first two films, he obviously gets it. You know, he's a tremendous filmmaker. And now I see all the nerds. They want him to do the next Star Wars. They want him to do <laughs> uh, James Bond. Like, you know, they want him to come and like, you know, because, uh, you know, we talked about the whole Ryan Johnson thing. And they're like, let's get Ryan Coogler to write and direct. <laughs> so, but well, one thing, though, some people may not know, he is not directing Creed 2. So uh, it, it's another uh, young African-American filmmaker will be doing that. So, uh, which I was disappointed because, you know, he was really the spearhead. I mean, Rocky was dead. He was the one that spearheaded to do that. So, uh, but we'll see though. We'll see what happens. But I'm looking forward to uh, to what he um, what he has to bring to the table. You know, it's like um, there's a movie called Sicario, right? And um, it was a great film. Did you see Sicario? Yeah. And uh, the sequel's coming out, and I'm looking forward to the sequel, but it's not the same director, <laughs> you know. So I was like, uh, yeah, that's always kind of hit and miss. Yeah. So I'm like, I hope this don't feel like a Direct cable you know, DVD. I, I'm sorry, uh, film. I I don't want to I don't want to you know like take away from the movie right, but the the just the idea of Wakanda <laughs> was apparently so pervasive and so strong after the movie got released that uh, an airport in Atlanta um, started. It has a you know where you've got the destination gates. Right. They had Wakanda up there. Right. And th- they had this whole Twitter thing that people were messaging about, you know, how can I get a ticket to Wakanda and stuff? And it was great as just sort of a, a snapshot of where we are in this moment in time. It was really awesome. You know, what's so funny about that. It was I was joking around and I would I, when I was at the theater and I was like and I was whispering to my friend. But I said it to where people can hear. I said, you know, Southwest Airlines has uh, $49 direct tickets to Wakanda. And then people would actually go, really? Like they were they wanted to know about it. 
I felt so bad because they when I told them you know it's not a real place, they were like, oh, <laughs> it sounds like that it can be real. Funny. I mean, as far as it sounds like a you know the name sounds you know. Uh, it, it, like yeah, it sounds like a real location, right? Mm-hmm, but it, yeah, unfortunately, people, Wakanda is not a real place, but it's real in our hearts. So, <laughs> all right. So, uh, moving right along, um, here's something that I wanted to talk about uh, on the show, and we we haven't been able to get there yet. Uh, are you familiar with uh, this thing called Movie Pass? I I am. I I, I have not. I haven't actually purchased anything using MoviePass. I, uh, in fact, I was told not to here. Of course, I live on an island, so things are always a little bit different because they had they told me that it wouldn't be honored here. Now things have changed since then, so who knows? But I do know about it. Okay, so apparently I didn't realize this, but it had been around since 2011. So oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, but it was very it was really expensive. It was like $40 a month, right? What, oh, wow. Uh, well, maybe I should say what it is uh, for those who may not know. MoviePass is essentially, it's a, uh, a card you can get that looks like a credit card, and you pay nine ninety nine a month. And what it allows you to do is go to one movie a day, except for, except for Ultra XD. You do have to pay like $2 more, and you can't go to 3D movies. But you can go to standard deaf movies once a day, just about any theater. Uh, like here, it seems like it's every theater it, it's good for. And um, you can watch the movie for free. And I, when I first heard about it, I was like, where's the catch? You know, it's too good to be true. Then I started reading about it and people were saying, nope. I mean, it, it's what it says it is. So I went and got me one. I got my mother one who lives in Chicago. And, uh, man, I use it all the time. (laughs) It's great. (laughs) You know, uh, sometimes when a movie opens up, sometimes they won't allow you to see it, you know, on the first day, something like that. But that's, you know, like Black Panther, I couldn't do it on the first day. But I bought the tickets way in advance, so that wasn't even an issue. But... It works. I mean, it's it's awesome. You know, uh, you know what, what happens is you you download an app on your phone, and what you do is you have to wait till you get close to the theater. You can't do it like from home, so you have to be like when I think it's a hundred yards or a hundred feet. I can't remember of the theater. You check into that theater and what when you want to go into that movie, and then once you get there. You, you know, it, it gives you a, a reservation for, you know, uh, the film. And then you just hand them your card and they run it and you get your ticket and you're good to go. It's awesome. Right. Sounds awesome. Right. Yeah. It sounds really awesome. Here's the thing. And how much is it? It's nine ninety nine a month or ten ninety nine a month. I'm sorry. Right. So here a movie is uh, like fifteen dollars, something like that. So pretty wow. much, you know, if you only use it once a month, you you're you're coming out ahead, right? So here's the thing. The um the question is, well, if people go once a month, I, I mean once a day, you know, for the full month, like won't that like mess them up, right? 
And it doesn't seem like that's something sustainable, right? And uh, so it, there's this thing that I don't know if you noticed, and we're going to talk about it in our next segment that Netflix is doing, where essentially they're getting debt with this idea that in the future they will come out ahead. So they're just racking right. up debt. And there's this guy named Mitch Lowe. He was uh, um, one of the early execs in Netflix and Redbox, right? And he came over and he took over as um, two years ago. He came and took over MoviePass and became the CEO. And he's the one that's spearheading this idea, right? That um, that they don't, because they said that most people, like you would think, right? Oh, man, there's these guys that are going 30 times a month, right? The truth is, what would you say? Okay, let me ask you this question before I get into this, right? Just thinking about the films that come out every week, right? Right? Every, yeah. Every week, right? How many films, if, how many films, how many times a month, if if I were to give you passes to see whatever movie this week, you know, each weekend, how many, how many of those movies would you really go see, even if you had the free pass? Very few. I'm sorry, go ahead. Well, hmm? I, 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 I. I sort of think that maybe the question, if you phrased it differently, might work uh, for me anyway. It might say something different, right? How many movies do I miss? Because I just don't want to go pay an extra bunch of money to go see the movie. That to me, that's sort of the the more uh, that's the more important question because it's because yeah, there's a ton of movies out there that I just have no interest in seeing. But if you said, hey, listen. For the cost of one movie ticket per month, I'll go ahead and let you see whatever you want to see. I really might be inclined to go see movies that I normally wouldn't see because it just becomes too expensive. But if you think about it, even if, like, I get movie passes all the time, right? And I have to, I admit, I don't go, I don't use the majority of them. Because there's a lot of movies that even if you, if, you know, seeing it for free is not even enough for me to want to go see it. <laughs> I remember I got, a, I got like eight different times I could have seen Ben-Hur way before it came out. And right. there wasn't one time where I said, you know what? What the hell? No, I, that wasn't even enough. I mean, they would probably need to pay me to go see a movie like that. You know what I mean? So what I'm saying is they are betting on the fact that most people will sign up for it and barely use it. And that's, you know, um, like a lot of people will. And they, they say they want the person who wants to go to the movies a little bit more and see the films like Three Billboards and Shape of Water and stuff like that. They want those people that want to see them, but they don't want to pay $15 or whatever it is. And because, you know, theaters make their money off of the concessions and not the uh, not really the ticket sales. So they love it, you know, because people are starting to go back to the theaters now because of movie pass. I know a lot of people who they'll go see a movie because of movie pass. And I'm one of those people, you know, uh, like I would have probably never seen 
Den of Thieves or Commuter. The Commuter? Or Oh yeah. I probably wouldn't have went to the theater to see those. But because I had the movie pass, it, I was like cuz I was on the fence with those two movies. You know, I would let me be fair. With the Commuter, I wasn't even on the fence, <laughs> you know. <laughs> it was like <laughs> it was like uh but I was like, uh, but I wanted to use my movie pass cuz I hadn't really used it in a while. So I I said, "Oh, let's go see you know, um, the commuter, and that's how I saw it. So, I don't know. What do you think about this as a concept? And is this something, as an avid moviegoer, is this something that you could see yourself investing in? See, I, okay, two things. One, just as we were talking, I just looked up that apparently now my theaters do participate. So, mm-hmm. good news for me. <clears throat> um, but having said that, right, I, I don't go to the movies alone. I mean, I almost always take people with me. Mm-hmm. And so then everybody basically has to either sign up for MoviePass or they have to pay for the ticket. So that adds a layer of complexity to stuff for sure. Mm-hmm. The other thing, though, and this is a plus on the, on, for, the, for the movie industry <coughs> in particular, movie ticket sales have been declining for years and theaters have been doing everything from redesigning the theaters to adding reclining seats to, you know, upgrading concessions, all kinds of things to get people back into the theaters. And so if people are willing to invest again in going to the theater, then I think that this is great. But if what you said is more or less true, that people will buy MoviePass and maybe use it once every three months, even though they're paying for the full, uh, the full subscription, then, uh, then I can see why it sort of doesn't work. It doesn't work for, it only works basically for MoviePass. Mm-hmm. So there's a kind of a mixed bag of stuff going on here. Mm-hmm. I, I do think overall it's good for the movies. I mean, people, when you experience a movie at a theater, if you are really invested in what's going on, it's a totally different experience than watching it from your TV. And there's something to be said for that, but it's hard to sort of justify whether this works or doesn't work based on how often you go to the theater, right? Does that make sense? No, it makes perfect sense. It makes perfect sense. Um, Let me, he just did an interview, the uh, CEO, who I find very uh, interesting. Um, let me see if you can hear this. This will add a little extra to it. Let's see. Wait, can you hear this? Against, uh, exhibitors, yep. and then we'll promote them. Now, you heard that? Yep, sure did. All right, let me see if I can find this certain point, because I think this will add to the conversation. I should have and had it. In fact, they do everything they can to, to undermine uh, the credibility. Uh-huh. Yes. Okay, that is true for a small... Okay, here it goes. This is, I think... Completely unaligned. You know, yeah. uh, the Netflix forty dollars uh, per person, and we're only collecting ten here. Okay. At those forty dollars, forty dollars. Uh, so, so. Let me get it to the. <laughs> you know, uh, the uh, I thought I had it. I agree. Oh wow, that's. <laughs> I agree. Right, here that's we go. This is uh, oh, Mitch Lowe on Screen Junk. Do you guys talk? Do you I was talk with him the other your, day. Okay. You, so, do you talk about? how Netflix is positioned in this field um, 
versus and aligned with MoviePass and if they work together or not. Completely unaligned. You know, yeah. uh, the Netflix folks believe that going to the movie theater is dying. And in fact, they do everything they can to, to undermine uh, the credibility and the kind of joy of going to the movies. They want everybody to watch it on your iPhone or watch it on your iPad or your, your smart television. Uh, so, so, but I can, I can walk you through the economics because, you know, the whole concept of an all-you-can-eat subscription uh, seems in many ways counterintuitive. You would expect everybody to go three or four times a month. We're spending $30, $40 uh, per person, and we're only collecting 10 right? That's probably what everybody thinks. Yes. Okay. That is true for a small segment of the population. But when we get those 89% of the United States moviegoers who only watch four and a half films a year, according to the MPAA, when they join MoviePass, they go twice as often. They're now going to nine films a year. That's three quarters of a movie a month. You get enough of those to offset the active moviegoers who are going three times a month, and you end up about 1.2, 1.3 movies per month. The average cost of a ticket is a little bit below $9 uh, across the United States. If we get more and more of our subscribers in the Midwest, in Omaha, where the average cost of goods is lower, and we get a small percentage of the exhibitors uh, to give us a discount, the same bulk discount they give Costco. You know, you can go into Costco and buy $100 worth of tickets for 25% discount. Mm -hmm. So if we got the 25% discount, and our average cost of goods was, say, $9, you lower it by 20%, now we're paying 7 or $8 a ticket. Our customers, on average, will see 1.2, 1.3 movies. We're a buck or two underwater. We're, we're costing us $11 or so uh, per month, and we're bringing in 10. But then, this is the cool part, is our customers go twice as often and the movies they go to are the small films, the under $50 million films that studios can't market. They, they, they spend money here, they spend money there, but it's inefficient. We are earning uh, 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 money from studios today where they're paying us. We think we're going to earn $6 per month per subscriber in a combination of marketing, advertising, you know, we have this whole vision of a night at the movies. So the, the, I think the big, the, the big kind of misunderstanding is, is people think that, uh, that when you do an all-you-can-eat, everybody overeats. Mm -hmm. You know, it's really, there's a small group that do, and if you price it right, in fact, as at Netflix, when we lowered the price, we made more money because we attracted more casual users. Because, you know, in the, buy, in the buy mail days at Netflix, we had the same issue. We had to pay a dollar and a quarter every time we shipped a disc. We had to pay 90 cents shipping. And for, for $15.95, you could have uh, seen 60 movies a month. And if 60 people, if you watch 60 movies a month, that would cost Netflix $120 and only collecting 16. It's exactly the same issue. You, it's like health insurance. When you, when you launch a health insurance program, the first people who join are the people who, got it, who have to go to the hospital right away. So believe me, you know, uh, you know, we know how to make this model work. And the bottom line is, is that more people will go back to the movies uh, and get back into the habit and explore great films.
So one of the the things that you know we've seen a lot and and a lot of people are worried about is does MoviePass kind of set this unrealistic price point of what a movie should cost, what going to a movie should cost, and that fear that some theater owners have, like, well, if MoviePass goes away, I can't offer that same deal. Right. That could be you know a death knell for movies. Do you? Right. I totally agree. That is exactly what we're doing. We are saying that the cost of going to a movie has gotten so out of hand, people are saying, I'm just going to wait and watch it on Netflix. Mm -hmm. So they still go to see Star Wars. They see the big Marvel hits. You may be a Wes Anderson fan, so you'll go see all of his films. But you won't see, you'll, you'll, you'll see I, Tanya or Lady Bird, and you'll say, you know, I'll just wait and, and see it you know, when it's on Netflix or HBO or Hulu or one of those services. So you end up missing the great you know, big screen experience. Yes. For the last 18 years, uh, every single year, exhibitors have raised their prices. And you know what's happened? Transactions have gone down. What's worse is the people who are going less often are millennials. People under the age of 34 have decreased their going to the movies by over 20% just in the... All right. So uh, uh, were you able to hear all of that? Yeah, I was. That was really interesting. Yeah, and if if you guys want to check out the full interview, uh, go to Screen Junkies News and uh, MoviePass CEO uh, Mitch Lowe uh, talks about it. And he's very good. I've heard him on several stuff talk about it. And um, as you can see, he was with Redbox and Netflix before, so he has an understanding of how to make this thing work. Uh, hopefully it'll work for him because I actually love the service. So so after hearing him speak a little bit on uh, on – Movie Pass. Uh, what, what are some of the things that caught your eye? Well, the, the two I think really interesting market dynamics that I just heard him talk about, which I hadn't even factored into the equation, was the difference in movie cost in terms of geographic location. That actually is something that would drive uh, a different kind of dynamic into an overall uh, exp- well experience on the company's part. The the other thing that was really interesting was the Netflix effect, the I'll wait and I'll watch it when it comes on to whatever my streaming service is, is quite an interesting prospect. How the entertainment industry in particular deals with these streaming services is really complicated, isn't it? There's yeah. something There's something just below the surface with this where... I don't know if they're running in sort of direct competition with each other, but just by sort of being in each other's orbits, they are disrupting the normal flow, what we know as the normal flow of the entertainment industry dynamic. But to be honest, I kind of feel like Hollywood and I'm using the word Hollywood kind of loosely here, Mm -hmm. the entertainment industry altogether has chosen a path that in has become unsustainable. And so it's either adapt or die. I mean, like I have very little patience for companies that are not willing to kind of do something different in order to meet new generational needs. This is what being in business is all about. And so to sort of just sit back and rely on the old methods of how we do stuff because that's how we always did it feels really bizarre and (laughs) in this one case this is exactly what i'm hearing right i'm hearing that he what he's saying is that you know look people go to the movies more often if they have movie pass but what they're seeing are 
the movies that don't actually have a big advertising budget that just don't get marketed but still need viewership and that is going to matter whether it goes to netflix or goes to hbo for rights or whatever people need to be able to see it in the theater because that's where they're going to make the most money on it so i'm kind of you know i'm in a bit of a i sort of see something on each side but i'm leaning toward hey something like movie pass is actually a really good idea yeah, I mean, when you listen to the guy, you drink the Kool-Aid, you know. I want to drink the Kool-Aid, too, though. So that's another thing is, like, I want it to work because, you know, I love it. I, You know, I it, it got me going back to the theater. I go to the movie theater because my attitude was, like, I'll just catch it on whatever, you know. And a lot of times if I don't see it, you know, there's a lot of movies that because I didn't see it in the theater – and I said at the time, oh, I'll catch it when it's on DVD or whatever. I just end up never seeing. So I, I really, uh, you know, I hope it works out. And and I, because I, some people are are scared to get Movie Pass because they're like, this just sounds too good to be true. But I would say, based on my experience with it, I have no complaints. You know, some people complain like, oh man, you can't go to a three D movie. I'm like, well, they tell you that up front. You know, <laughs> so it's like. You know, and I don't, I don't care for three D movies. So you know what I mean? Like, I, I like it. You know, it's. I think it's great, and I think you know people should, like, you know, get it for a month, check it out. You know, it's definitely now. Now, once you sign up for it, it does take about seven days before you get your card, and you got it. So you have to wait about seven days before you can actually use it. So, but uh, you know, it's it's worth it. Get, uh, and do you, get it. do you have to pay for the do you have to pay for the entire year up front or do no. they charge you by the month? By the month. Wow. I think you can get you can do the whole year as well, but no, I paid month to month. Wow, that is really great. Yeah, so you can always just say, "Yeah, it's not for me," or say it is for you, or whatever you know. But it's definitely I, worth. It. I've already got my money's worth. I've, I've probably I, watched it. I kind of like this, e- even in sort of uh, in respect to uh, indie films that end up, you know, getting sort of wider releases out there. Because a lot of indie films suffer from an inability, basically, to get good marketing going. There's no way for them to really do it. They don't have big studios behind them. It's a lot harder for them to kind of get something going to get people to the theaters and then people don't find out about it until there's some social media buzz or something happens at a film festival or whatever and so this feels like you know this could be really good for that industry as well yeah i think so all right so let's get to our our main topic and once we we're going back to the idea of uh uh streaming content and we've talked about it before but there's a specific story that, you know, it's not a new story, but um, but it's really got my attention. And uh, essentially that Apple will revent, revent, ooh, excuse me, will uh, ramp up its original content. Uh, and it'll spend $4.2 billion by 2022. As a part of an effort to expand and rebrand Apple Music, according to uh, in, according to uh, Loop Ventures analysis, uh, Gene Munster. So essentially, um, Amazon and Netflix—they're uh, both spending. Uh, I think uh, Netflix is eight billion, 
and Amazon six billion on content. And you know, we I think we've talked before about Netflix, you know, about them occurring all this debt by buying all this content with the idea that in the future they're gonna win, right? Because they'll have all this content that they own and and uh, they're gonna be making, you know, all the, the, the dough at the end of the day. And Amazon, you know, is following suit as well as Hulu, which is not mentioned in this as well. I don't I don't know what their their market you know how much of the market they they have but um apple first of all is a brand that we all know and a lot of us love and i could totally see them getting into this market place now here's the thing and i'm trying to look in this article it doesn't say but i believe you need to have an apple tv to see the content which is really different than than uh, Netflix, where the only thing you need is an app, and most most everything has, you know, the Netflix, and as well as Hulu and Amazon, on there. I don't know if that's, uh, you know, I don't know how much that's going to hurt their um, efforts there. But, and let me see, there was something. Let me see if I can find it. There was something about. The actual content, and I thought I had it with me. Um, oh, okay, so were you a fan of were you a fan of um, Battlestar Galactica? Oh yeah. Okay. Well, what if I told you that Ron Moore is going to be doing another sci-fi show through this Apple platform? Wow. Pretty awesome, huh? Yeah, that is pretty awesome. Yeah, he uh, he's one of the people that uh, they're investing in. Um, they are doing they are doing. Uh, excuse me, I'm trying to scroll down and read at the same time. Um, also, you have Camille Nanjiani, who did the big sick with his wife. Oh, that's right. I remember that. Uh, yeah, they're them too. They're putting together something for this Apple platform. As- I, I just heard. Mm-hmm. I, I not to not to switch off, but mm-hmm. along those same lines, it does seem like gathering uh, directors slash producers is a big thing for the streaming platforms right now. I just heard that Ryan Murphy made some kind of huge contract deal with Netflix. That's right. So. Clearly, that they're, the streaming platforms are actually marketing who they have as their talent pool as well, which is also kind of an interesting, that's a really interesting idea. Yeah, it's like uh, the NBA model, like where it's like, oh, we have Jordan, we have Magic Johnson, we have, you know, yeah. <laughs> you know it's like, uh, which I love, you know, uh, uh, Chandra, Chandra Rhymes is uh, on Netflix as well. Um, the show Amazing Stories. Remember that back in the day? I do remember Amazing Stories. Yeah, um, they are. You know, they're going to do a a new update on on the Apple as well. Um, wow, they're going to spend five million ten episodes at five million per episode. Wow, uh, that's ambitious. Yeah, I'm like, wow. It's like, like, do people remember that? You know, like, uh, but you know, they said you could track that to uh, the Black Mirror. Uh, 
you know, like so many people love Black Mirror, so they want something that can kind of rival that, you know? And, well, uh, Amazon just paid, what, how many millions for the rights to do uh, a pre-Lord of the Rings you know, material basically before the Lord of the Rings, but they're marketing it as, you know, pre-Lord of the Rings. Uh, I, I, you know, I'm, I'm not even sure if, they ever, if I remember that it was episodic yet or not. I know that, that there was a huge fanfare that kind of heralded in that particular deal, but it was huge. I mean, on, just on pure speculation on just the brand, they spent millions and millions for that license. No writers in mind. They didn't have director. Nothing. I mean, that is a bold gamble on the part of the streaming services to do that. It. I think what it tells you, though, because CEOs don't make choices for no reason, and they don't make choices speculatively on <clears throat> on something that doesn't have hard data uh, involved with it. So they must see that there is a bigger trend, sort of building. I just I can't imagine that every single CEO for all of these streaming platforms is making uninformed decisions about spending this much money or like Netflix going into that much debt without really seeing sort of market trends that point them in the direction of, yeah, this is going to pay off. Content is king. Like HBO, uh, I've talked about this before. HBO, they were the ones that said, you know what? We, you know, we're paying all these licenses fees for these movies and stuff. And they said, you know what? Rather than spend all that money to license these movies, and they still do, let's make our own stuff. And, you know, then we own it. And then we can license it, you know, and put it all over the place. So that's what they've been doing. And content that you own, ownership is so important. And, uh, and, the smart thing that they're doing is they're getting talented people and letting them do their thing. That right. is the big thing is they're not, you know, they're really letting them do their thing. And I'm just really, really happy. Um, Amazon Prime, this is a great show called Bosch. If you haven't checked it out, check it out. I, I haven't seen that. Oh, That's actually amazing. on my list of things to watch. Amazing. Great, great show. It's done three seasons. Actually, I need to find out when the new season is. But anyway, I, so... <laughs> I, I'm 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 over the top impressed with uh, with things that for me Netflix is my I, I just love my Netflix right but uh, the the series that came out just a little bit ago called Altered Carbon mm -hmm. that was phenomenal and the and the production values were just they were epic then right after that just a couple of days ago came out a movie called uh, Mute which is also a Netflix original that starred Alexander Skarsgård and again it just I mean. The, the, the talent, the level of excellence that is going into this rivals a major motion picture. It, the, the experience is just mind-blowing. So, I, I mean, I, I think that they are all headed in the right direction. Um, in a weird way, I sort of, I want to root for the movies because theater to me seems like, yeah, okay, we really got to protect the big movie experience, but it's hard to argue with the quality that is coming out on the streaming platforms. They are just going all out to be the competition. Hmm. Well, you know, we, I love their, their content and I, I haven't seen that show yet. I'm looking forward 
to it, you know. I'm looking forward to it, but uh, I'm talking about um, alternate. What is it? Alter, Al- altered. Al- carbon. It's called altered carbon. Yes, I'm looking so forward to checking that out. But um, you know, uh, there's just so much con content all over the place. And real quick, uh, Bosch season four uh, is. Uh, uh, wait, I just had it. Uh, April thirteenth. Oh, that's coming up soon. Yeah, I'm looking forward to it. I, I love that show. But um, now here's the thing that I wanted to bring up is there's so much great. I mean, there's so many great cable shows. There's great streaming shows. I mean, you know, there's this. There's the CBS uh, All Access, and uh, yeah. I think I think we might have brought this up last week. Uh, there's a show called Strange Angel that I'm looking so much forward to. Uh, did we talk about that last week? I, I could have sworn I brought that up somewhere. Um, no, I, no, I don't think so. Okay, so Strange Angel tells... Okay, there's a story that I wanted to do, right, uh, myself, because I think it's an amazing story. I think it's a Academy Award-winning story about, um, about the uh, founding of JPL, Jet Propulsion Laboratory, and... Also, uh, about uh, now, okay, his name, wow, I can't believe the guy's name is, uh, 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 Angel, uh, oh my God, I'm having a brain fart, uh, oh my God, I'm having a brain fart, don't get old people, like, Jack Parsons, thank you. <laughs> uh, oh wow, uh, Jack Parsons, who uh, was one of the founders of JPL, and he was like this great, you know, in the the forties, he was this this, this uh, groundbreaking scientist, rocket scientist before there was rocket science, and they did so much. And then the and then there was a scandal that a lot of people don't know about was that he was a Satan worshiper. And he, oh, no. and he followed uh, Aleister Crowley and he was a follower of Aleister Crowley. And one of his good friends was one and only uh, L. Ron Hubbard the, before Scientologist. So his his life intersects with so many um, interesting people. Right. And um, and even his death is is amazing. Right. I mean, like literally it's a Academy Award winning movie right there. Like, I mean, there's so much there in the story like i haven't even told you everything like you can watch a documentary and you'll be blown away of how amazing this story is about jack parsons it's like you have the beginnings of rocket science and pre-nasa and then you also have uh you know this he lived in this he had this sex cult in pasadena california where they would do these rituals and then he would go to this uh the um devil's gate dam and they were trying to he was trying to open a portal to hell i mean it's like oh my god it's like amazing it's a crazy story like i haven't even told you everything and then you have and then you have l ron hubbard pre you know scientology uh you know they had a love triangle i mean it's like you can write this shit and it's true. Oh my god, I love it already. And there's a TV series based on a book uh, called Strange Angel, and there's two books that I know of: Strange Angel and uh, Sex and Rockets. 
Um, and they're both great books. I've read them both because I love this story. And because my, you know, I was thinking like, oh, let me make it. like, you know, like if Hollywood is like, <laughs> I don't know how you don't hear this story and go, you have to make it. You know what I mean? Like, because it's so much there, you know, and you can, there's so much to go. I'm, I'm really hoping. I was a little like, okay, this is CBS All Access. I'm like, are they really going to go to the places they need to go to really tell this story? Because it's a in-depth story, uh, and there's so many layers to it, you know? And you almost don't have to make up anything. Like, you know what I mean? Like, yeah, there's so much there that you could literally tell the story as is with very little adding to it, and you would... And you would have like an amazing story. So, so I'm looking forward. The series. Uh, I don't know when it starts. I know it comes out sometime this year. Um, and um, uh, Ridley Scott is the producer of of it. So um, that bodes well. Yeah. So I'm I'm hoping that they don't, you know this is this lives up to the how amazing the story is. Like, but I'm telling you, like everything is in this story. You have. Jack Parsons is like this really interesting character who's brilliant and like the way he died, you know, like giving closure to the, like, you know how, like you don't even have to make up an ending. The way he dies uh, is essentially he blows himself up in his own office and allegedly his last words were something like, uh, um, I didn't finish yet or something like it was something crazy. Like, <laughs> like half of his face is blown off and his, his, uh, I think it was his neighbors find him and with half his face blown off. And he says, I didn't finish yet or supposedly something to that effect. And, oh my God. and like, I, like I said, I let watch it. Just look up the, uh, any YouTube documentary about Jack Parsons. Cause oh my God. I didn't I even am. tell you, I didn't even tell you everything. There's like so much to the story. It, and it's like, it's like if you literally let's say that this wasn't a true story and you made up this story, people would say it's bullshit. You know what I mean? Because it's so crazy, <laughs> right? It's so crazy of a story. So I'm looking forward to this strange angel. Um, I'm hoping that they get it. They they nail it out the park because it's it's there. Everything's there for an amazing story. So but um, but OK, so I we went on a little tangent there, but or I did. Um, but um there's so much great content all over the place and every, all these, you know, more and more streaming services are popping up and it seems like they're, you know, they're really putting together a, a great, you know, it's so much stuff, but this is okay. Here's my thing. You go like, I have like this huge DVD collection, right? Of amazing films. Right. And I'll look through my DVD collection cause I want to watch something or Blu-ray. And I have so much good stuff. I end up not watching anything because it's so, <laughs> you know, it's like, it's like the, the rock star who can sleep with any beautiful woman. And he's like, you know what? I'm gonna just go to sleep. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I, I don't know. Maybe this is crazy. And maybe you could talk me off the ledge. Can there be too much good stuff? You know, like, is, is, is that even possible? Is there? You know, or am I am I crazy for even thinking about this? So uh, you know, it's <laughs> this is really weird, I, it, and and bear with me here for just a second. Mm -hmm. From a societal standpoint, right? We know 
that our society, that our culture has become just incredibly tribal in all kinds of different ways. I'm not talking politics. Well, I am talking politics, but it's not just politics. It's so much else. And in some ways, our entertainment is sort of veering off down that path where we have uh, where we have kind of people select and sometimes very specifically what they want to be invested in. And then they become, and I know we talked about this once before, they become sort of the fan base that propels the success of whatever the series is that has been proposed. So Westworld has its own sort of mega massive community where people do nothing but talk about Westworld. Remember what we did with Black Sails? I mean, Black Sails still has an incredible community around it. Even still, it hasn't even been shown for over a year. Those things, I think, are the the kinds of uh, effects that the streaming platforms are trying to have. But the answer is, I do think there can be too much content. Because if you fragment your market too much then everybody's vying for the same pieces of the pie, but everybody's getting a thinner slice. Mm -hmm. And I I don't know how some of that stays sustainable, except for what the guy at MoviePass said, which is basically, look, you pick up the content and, you you know, maybe you barely watch it. And for the streaming services, clearly they're not getting hits. uh, Like they're, I mean, they measure how popular stuff is in order to, secure more of that stuff but they're not getting penalized for you know too many people not watching lemony snicket Mm. they they know already built into their model that hey you know we're willing to spend this much and here's how we're going to do it now if we decide not to bring it back because not enough people watched it that has to do with a future market not the market that you have right now because the market that you have right now they're already paying for it right so I, my guess is that the, is that really what people are saying is, okay, so the average cable bill right now is what? I mean, my, my cable bill feels crazy expensive, but if you have DirecTV or if you have uh, a standard spectrum cable or whatever, you're probably paying a good 100 bucks a month in cable, right? Yeah, or more. <laughs> or more. Yeah, we pay more. Exactly. Um, okay, so you get that. So the so now the question is, okay, do you dump cable and just go with streaming services? And if you do, I mean, for ten bucks a month, for twelve bucks a month, you can pick up nine or ten of them for the same price that you would have had for cable TV. And I think for some people, that's where the answer is. The answer is, hey, I can pick up a whole bunch of these streaming services, no problem. And now you have HBO Go, and you have Stars, that is basically like an on-demand service, and you have. Even Showtime is doing the same thing. So you're not missing out by not having cable TV. And that's what I think is sort of, that's where the rest of the market segment is going to come in from. Because we know millennials don't even want to purchase cable TV. It's not an interesting thing. Everything is streaming platform. So yes, I think there can be too much content. But at the same time, I also think, yeah, I don't think that they actually really care. Yeah, I, I agree. I agree, but it's just like the stuff is all over the place. You got, I mean, there's a bunch of shows that I that look interesting. Like we were talking about, Sneaky Pete looks interesting. I haven't watched it. Um, you know, uh, you have Bosch. We, we we talked about. I have seen that. 
you have uh, you know there's Transparent I think on Hulu or was it Amazon Prime I can't remember I haven't seen that but I know a lot of people like that I mean there's just stuff everywhere it's all over the place and honestly maybe we should do is uh, we should do on one of our shows is like like I name content and then the panel has to uh, guess where it's located at. (laughs) (laughs) That's tough. (laughs) You know, like I'm, I'm serious. Like, and then can we pour out some liquor for uh, network TV? Because network TV, I, God bless them. I mean, I, I'll be honest with you. I think the only network show I watch is SVU and I, don't even watch that you know uh, as religiously I'm like way behind on that um, network TV is just you know I'm talking about like their dramas and comedies you know of but, course but like, are, you, are you talking just like top you know top couple networks are you just talking about NBC ABC CBS or are you actually throwing in AMC and some no, of the other no, cable no, platforms no that's cable when I'm talking about network like you said I'm talking about network is ABC CBS Yeah, and see, you know, uh, for me, the the choices that that cable TV, or that, I'm sorry, not cable TV, the choices that network TV is making in programming, especially in their super limited sort of pilot season, is really perplexing to me because it's kind of like they have completely ignored what has made cable channels incredibly popular by going with things that are a little bit more edgy and then sticking with them because they develop a fan base. And instead what they do is they throw out these like, you know, super short pilot seasons and then make determinations, make really snap determinations based on just that one season. And that's not long enough for people to get together the kind of, uh, as even the social media movements that really make something super popular. I mean, people are still crying about Hannibal and Hannibal was like one of those NBC. I know I'm one of them. <laughs> mm-hmm. And Hannibal was one of those NBC awesome, you know, pieces that could have really been amazing. And they chose to ax it because they said they just didn't have the viewership. I don't get that. I'm, honestly, I am struggling to understand what is on the minds of specifically the network executives. Uh, do you have any insight? I have no insight. Uh, not at all. I mean, it's just even the shows that do very well, like the NCISs and stuff. It's like it's funny. Like those shows get humongous ratings, right? But I don't know anyone who watches it. <laughs> like I don't. It's like who watches? I mean, obviously they're a much older crowd. But I don't like. I don't know anyone who watches NCIS or CSI anymore or. But if you look at the ratings, they get humongous ratings. And, you know, it's actually, it's not even close. Like Criminal Minds, you know, it's it's huge ratings. But uh, it's definitely not what's... It's funny. It's not what's happening. You know, it's not what's cracking. Yeah. And, you know, and they never get the, the awards, of course. Because it's just... It's like there was a time where cable shows were a joke compared to network shows. And now it's, yeah. it's completely flip-flopped. Now it's like you you know the the network shows are the ones that you're like what you know like I I'm not even excited about any network shows anymore like you know you used to get excited about oh this is coming out and you know it's like now it's like yeah you know it's more the same so I wonder when SVU goes off it's like will I ever watch a network show again I don't know 
So well, the, the, some of the some of the sustainable ones are like you know they've got Lucifer, which is yeah, I, I I won't diss it. I know a lot of people like it. I I personally don't really understand it. I I, I I'm not that I don't understand it. I don't understand the appeal to it. But but then you have networks like Sci-Fi, cable networks like Sci-Fi, who are putting out Krypton. And, I mean, watch some of the trailers. It may be a bit CW-ish in the sense that, you know, the cast is definitely on the younger side. But this is the kind of stuff that's going to draw people back in. This isn't... If, if the networks keep pandering, I say that in the nicest possible way I can, to an audience of baby boomers and below who are still plugged into basically cable TV and watching network, I don't see how they're going to maintain a hold on programming. It just feels so incredibly unsustainable. And and then you get shows which to me are just, they're the dime a dozen shows. There's The Voice, there's... Um, there's shows that cost so little to put together and have these epic payoffs for the audience that again, I, I don't I don't know anybody in the millennial crowd that's watching these shows other than they hear about them and see the clips on YouTube. So I, I mean, I, I'm actually confused by it. And I don't find myself confused by a lot in entertainment. And you know, usually I can find some logic in sort of what's going on. This one, I just don't get. It's like they're not even trying. Yeah, it's yeah, it's one of those things, man. It's crazy though. Uh, but I'm looking forward to all the content, and you know, at some point, maybe in a couple of months or so, we should just weed through and just kind of figure out what you know what our keepers and what are not um, when it comes to the streaming one, and then then do another list of of the cable, and then maybe. Uh, See, is, is there anything worth uh, checking out on network television? I mean, and if anybody's listening out there and they like some network shows, and I don't count like Survivor or something like that, you know, I mean, I'm talking about <laughs> scripted dramas or, or sitcoms or comedies, uh, let us know. And I'm interested to hear what people think. But me, I, it's all cable or streaming. I mean, it's pretty much that's it. And, uh, and, yeah. and and if you are from NBC or any one of the major you know networks, and you do want to bring Hannibal back, listen, I guarantee I'll come back. I, I promise I will. <laughs> Just throwing that out there. Just throwing it out there. <laughs> All right. So uh, I once again I want to um, thank you. Uh, we're gonna try to you know what? Uh, there's so many, many topics we talked about this uh, earlier. There's so much stuff to talk about. That, uh, you know, anytime, like, we're both, like, available and we just want to, you know, wax poetic about <laughs> whatever, let's do it because there's so much to talk about. Like, I have so many other topics that uh, we could definitely talk about and, you know, everything is evolving and and uh, I'm just, you know, it's a good time right now and uh, I'm looking forward to it. And uh, moving fast. Everything is moving so fast. And... Let's um let's do uh, a weekend box office real quick. Um, I know we talked a little bit about uh, um, Black Panther, but uh, let's do. Okay, so I'm gonna re I'm gonna read the top ten films. Uh, number ten is Early Man. Number nine is Every Day. 
Uh, number eight is The Greatest Showman. Uh, number seven is uh, The 1517 to Paris. Number six is Jumanji, Welcome to the Jungle. Number five is Fifty Shades Free. Oh, I knew there was something I was supposed to go watch. <laughs> Four is Annihilation, and you know what? I I've never I didn't see Annihilation, but that, there's a story too to talk about uh, what happened with Annihilation. I, I wish we uh, had more uh, more time to talk about it a little bit. But that's a big one. We should definitely talk about that. That's a big one. Yeah. Number three, Peter Rabbit. Number two, Game Night, which I hear is pretty good. I keep hearing it's really good. And, of course, number one is Black Panther, and it took in another $111 million, uh, in the week, in last weekend. And let's see what's coming out this week. Uh, let's see, movie uh, releases this weekend. Um, okay, so the movies that uh, are come opening this week... <laughs> Um, sorry for that laugh. Uh, I'm going to only read the, the, the top two. Uh, there's Death Wish. Oh, my God. <laughs> uh, starring uh, uh, Bruce Willis. Uh, it says uh, a, a surgeon delivers vigilante justice to the home intruders who attacked him, his wife, and his young daughter. Uh, it's obviously a remake. It looks terrible. Uh, I don't. I don't know if I would see that one for free, to be honest. So, and then there's also Red Sparrow. Uh, Red Sparrow. It says ballerina da, Dominica Egrove. I think I said it right. Is recruited to Sparrow School, a Russian intelligence service, where she is forced to use her body as a weapon. Ooh, I like that. But her first mission, targeting a CIA agent, threatens to unravel the security of both nations. Red Sparrow. And it stars Jennifer Lawrence. Um, you know, it sounds a lot like Nikita. It does. And some people are saying it, it's the Black Widow movie that won't get made. <laughs> you know? So, but it sounds very Nikita-like. Uh, you know, La Femme Nikita. Which I... Big fan of of LaFemme Nikita. It it could it could have some potential. I mean, if you like Jennifer Lawrence, it could definitely have some potential. It's uh, but uh, I would consider that a movie that I would go see on Movie Pass. Yeah, who knows? Maybe uh, tonight, uh, if I get home early enough, I'll go see it. Yeah, right. Uh, <laughs> uh, but no, you know what? I, I might I might see that this weekend. I might go see Red Sparrow and then I'll give a review of what I thought. So so I can, you know, I just pull out the movie pass and and go see that movie. But uh There's a there's a bunch of there's a bunch of what I would think were like, you know, sort of uh really good movies but they are all below the radar mm. that are coming up because you know, we're we're going to be hitting film festival season pretty mm -hmm. soon, right? And the all of the sort of breakout movies that come from the film festivals, they sort of filter their way into, uh, depending upon who picks them up, they kind of filter their way into public screenings. But um, but nothing recently has gotten any kind of huge fanfare, which makes me really sad. <laughs> it does. I, I, I have a huge amount of love for indie movies. 
I do too. You know, obviously when they're good. <laughs> when they're good, I'm, you know, I mean, what, that goes without saying, but, you know, I mean, who likes movies when they're bad, right? Well, I, I mean, just not, you know, I know we're going to close out here, but just as sort of a parting thought on my part, you know, box office, the big, the big production movie houses, a lot of love. They've got big budgets. They're able to do things that indie films aren't. But if you like movies that cater to studies and character, that cater to the individual sort of uh, closer story, indie films are some of the best films on the planet for that. I mean, it's it's almost like the, the there's a freedom in the constraint of having a huge budget because you can concentrate on things that are so different than massive, you know, VFX and things like that. So I'm just a huge fan of indie films altogether. Yeah, yeah I am as well. I, I'm, I'm rooting for a lot of these little engines that could, you know. Although I have to say that Annihilation sounds like that sounds like the movie to go see this weekend. I, I agree, Annihilation, yeah. Because it, well, it came out last weekend, but uh, yeah, if you haven't seen it, go check it out. Uh, is it on Netflix? Is it on Netflix now? Annihilation? Yeah, because I remember that was one of the things about it was that uh, it's going to be on Netflix. That fast? Uh, well, you know, they, they're trying this thing where you can go see a movie in the theater as well as Netflix. I'm, I, I think, because I know they sold it to, they sold the rights to Netflix, but uh, I'm not sure if it's like right away or it's going to be real soon or something like that. And they were saying like that was part of the reason why the why I got hurt was because of uh, that. So hmm. we'll see. Huh? So that, that's actually kind of interesting. because uh, a couple of years ago, uh, Steve Soderbergh. Um, and Mark Cuban, I don't know if you know Mark Cuban from, uh, Oh yeah. Yeah. They, you know, he owns movie theater chain and he produced a Steve Soderbergh movie. And I forgot what the name of the movie is. It's like one of his real small ones. And the idea was they wanted to do this thing where a movie, a film comes out in the theater on DVD and, um, on like Netflix all at the same time. Wow. And, uh, like you can go see the movie and buy it and you know or stream it or so it was something to that effect and um you know obviously the filmmakers don't love that you know <laughs> you know cuz you want your movie like you know if you're Christopher Nolan for example you want people to see your movie in the theater and have its run and then you know all the other stuff right which i would i would feel the same way too if i was them so you know you know we'll see all right, with all that said, uh, how can people get you in social media and such? They can find me on Twitter at Following Bliss. Uh, they can find me on Facebook at the same. All right, and you can get me at Kente F, and you can go to our website, IndieRadio.org. We'll catch you next time right here. Peace. <laughs>